Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you guys. Um, a great day. A great day. Uh, already. So, hey, if you will, if you have your Bibles, we are in this series in Acts, and we're going to be starting at the end of chapter 4 today. Um, and, and then we'll move into chapter 5 a little bit. And I have to be, um, bye porch kids, thank you for coming and watching Gavin be baptized and praying for the leaders. You guys have fun back there. Okay, see you later. All right, bye Shannon, we love you, you're great. <laughs> yeah, it was good talking to you. <laughs> by the way, Happy Father's Day, gentlemen. I almost, with all the other things going on, for all you dads out there and, and like dads, some of you are like dads to a lot of people, um, a very happy Father's Day to you. I pray that you're blessed today. And happy birthday to my husband. So a little extra shout out to Drew. Um, he, he has a basket there if you want to drop your offerings for his birthday. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Um, so I've got to tell you, this passage we're about to look at, I almost just wanted to skip over um, because it's, it's a little strange. And, uh, but, and I was already preparing the next, like there's a little section there at the beginning of chapter five. And I thought, I'm just gonna, we'll just go to the next part later on. In the, but as I worked on the other part, I just kept going, oh, I, I really need to talk about this. So here we go. We're gonna talk about it today. Uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. If we're gonna talk about, in, in, in the study of Acts, it's called in many Bibles, Acts of the Apostles, but we know this, it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the followers of Jesus, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the church. And so we've seen this, right? We've seen this in these several weeks we've been doing this. We've talked about um, the Holy Spirit just appearing. We've talked about receiving him. We've talked about being filled with him. We've talked about being empowered by him. And today, where I think we're looking is I want us to consider how are we, we, sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Do we have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit? Um, we finished last week towards the end in Acts 4 with Peter and John being told, do not speak the name of Jesus, do not talk about the resurrection of Jesus, the religious leaders said, do not say that name. And what did they do? They went back to their friends. They went back to the church and they got together and they prayed and they actually prayed for more boldness, more boldness to speak the name of Jesus and to declare the resurrection of Jesus and, and the new life he brings. So they prayed for that. And here's what happened. This is what we looked at last week. When they prayed, this supernatural thing happened much like at Pentecost in that, you know, there was the sound of wind and what looked like flames uh, residing on people. This was another one of these supernatural moments as they prayed for more boldness, the place where they were praying physically shook. It shook. And then scripture says they were filled with the spirit again. So that's where we ended last week. Here we go, starting in verse 32 of Acts 4. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So they were told not to, but they continued to do. So they asked God for it, and they continued to do this. And this is the result. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. 
There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So it's pretty cool to get a nickname from the uh, apostles, I think. Um, He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, this is why I'm like, what is, what, what is this about? Am I about to tell everyone to go and cash in? No. This was not a requirement. This, there were, no one said, hey, everyone here, if you own property or houses, you need to go sell it. This was not a requirement to sell land or possessions and bring all the profits to the apostles. But Luke records that some did this. Some sold possessions they had or land that they had, and they sold it, and, and they wanted to support the work of the church. So this is what they did. They sh- sold and shared the profits with the believers. Now we move into chapter 5, and you got to remember that the chapters and verses are there for us. This is Luke's account. This is a continuation of what was just there in uh, the end of chapter 4, right? Okay, so a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, this was a deliberate act. This was, you know, it says his wife's full knowledge. They planned this together. He did this. Um, all the others who had shared, shared all their profits. Ananias and Sapphira did not. It's almost like if you want to picture, they came walking in with one of those giant checks like that you give to charity or something. Like they wanted people to know that this was going on. And this is where it gets weird. And I got to tell you, this is why I was like, I don't even know if I want to, I want to teach on this. I don't know. But verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't, this is when he gets kind of logic here. I like this. He goes, didn't it belong to you before you sold it? Like it was already yours. And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? Like this is yours. Like you don't, it's not like you're stealing from somebody. You're like, this is yours. You own it. This is Peter's point. The land was already Ananias's. He didn't have to sell it to keep it. He didn't have to do anything. The whole reason he sold it so that he would have the appearance of giving it all. The reason he sold it and kept some. Here's the second part of verse 4. Peter's asking Ananias, what made you think of doing such a thing? And then he says, you've not lied just to human beings, but to God. Now, please note this. It wasn't wrong for Ananias to keep some of his own money. It's his, right? He can do with it what he wants to do. It was wrong for him to deceive. It was wrong for him to appear to do something that he wasn't fully doing. He, it was, he was deceiving the church. He was, he was lying about this. His intent was to give off the impression with his giant charity check that he was giving all that he had, and he wasn't. He wanted to look like Barnabas and others. And this is a symptom of a, of a deeper spiritual problem, Right? This is a symptom of something deeper within Ananias. And Peter says it. He says, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. Verse 5. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. 
and great fear seized all who heard what had happened, rightly so. You go on and you can read, but uh, Ananias, when he was being questioned by Peter, his wife wasn't with him. Sapphira comes in. They, they, take, they take Ananias and wrap him up and go and bury him. Sapphira comes in and is playing along as well and pretends that they've given all. And she too falls down and dies when Peter confronts her. And their deaths may seem extreme, but rem- I want us to remember the, the whole idea of today is let's look at, are we sensitive to the Holy Spirit? So their deaths might seem extreme, but the deception that they carried out, it threatens to introduce the the new church, the birth of this church, the movement that was going on. It threatens to introduce sin like pride and and mistrust in the church body. This is what it's threatening to do. And, And yes, it seems extreme, but one thing to note is that Luke, who is a very detailed uh, historian, Uh, he only said that they fell down and died. So Peter did not call down a curse upon Ananias or Sapphira. Um, It doesn't say that that even God struck them dead. It says that they fell down and died. Only God knows (laughs) what happened in that moment when Ananias was faced with the reality of what he had done. What happened? Did his, did his heart stop? Did he, was he so overwhelmed? I mean, we don't know, but he wasn't cursed by Peter, and it doesn't say that God struck him down. And there are many times throughout Scripture where you find that people were struck down. So they died based on the truth and the reality of this. Oh, when they were confronted with their own deception, the reality of their sin, I mean, they, they fell down and died. Now, the elephant in the room, I think, is that Many, most people, and the reason I almost skipped over this, this section is that this seems like a really harsh, extreme, unloving, vengeful consequence for someone who wanted to give some to the, the body, to the believers. But it's not. It actually, when you step back from it, it actually shows the painful grace that God gives to us, painful to him. It, it, it pains him, but he gives it. The grace that God bestows on each and every one of us when we grieve the Holy Spirit. His grace is at work when we grieve the Holy Spirit. His grace is at work that we do not fall down dead when we grieve the Holy Spirit, when we sin, when we deceive, when we lie. His grace. See, if you think that God's judgment is too harsh, then you underestimate the holiness of God. If you read a story like this and go, that is harsh, that is too harsh. God, you, why, why, is, why are you judging in such a way? What is, what's going on? We underestimate the holiness of God. Because, and here's an important question uh, for us to ponder today, because we're talking about being sensitive to the Spirit is are you, am I, are we underestimating God's holiness in our life? Like in this moment, are we underestimating the, the immense holiness of God in our life? In the words we speak, in the thoughts we think, in, in what we look at and what we say and how we, how, how we worship or don't worship, just everything. How many of us underestimate God's holiness? 
Look at the response of the entire church body to the death of Ananias and Sapphira in verse 11. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Great fear seized them. Now this word fear in verse 11, it's the Greek word phobos. It's where we get our word phobia, right? The fear of and you know, name it. It's the, same, it's the same word that's used. So when you think about this fear, you might go, well, they were just really scared. No, this is more of a, it is a holy fear, but it is an awe. It is overwhelmed with the greatness of who God is. It's the same word that's used when the disciples felt a fear, when they saw Jesus breaking all natural law and walking on water. It's the same fear that you read in Scripture when the women discovered the risen Jesus on Easter Sunday. It's the same fear and awe and wonder that the shepherds experienced when the angel appeared to them and told them of Jesus' birth. This account in Acts that, that Luke records for us, it's supposed to move us to revere the holiness of God to revere who, who he is, to, to understand the sacredness of the Holy Spirit. If you notice, Luke was very specific, and he said, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. And I think it's also to move us to thank God for his grace. See, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, there are consequences. We, we read them here. Many of us understand that. We've walked that. We, we, we know this. We have experienced this in our own lives. When we have sinned, when we have grieved the Holy Spirit of God, and, and what has happened after that. You know, in, in, um, our response should be, we're going to look at Ephesians 4 here real quick, but our response should be to ask God, okay, would you change my heart? Lord, would you help me to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because obviously your Holy Spirit is sensitive to us. In verse 30 of Ephesians 4, Paul tells the believers, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve him. That word translated there, grieve, it means to cause to feel sorrow and pain and unhappiness, distress. So we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but we also need to understand that the Holy Spirit is sensitive to us. As the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit experiences joy and outrage and sorrow. And what we know from this passage in Acts chapter 5 is we either adjust to the Spirit or the Spirit's going to adjust to us. We either adjust to the Spirit or the Spirit will adjust to us, which means, porch community, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I say that like that's so easy and everyone will go and do it and let's take it home. Here was, I don't know where I read this or when I read this. I certainly didn't come up with it on my own, but I've never forgotten it. And so I'm going to share it with you in the hopes that you will never forget this either. If you're wondering if you have a reverent, holy fear, you know, that awe, that wonder that God is so big and I am so small. If you wonder if you have this, this understanding of who God is, if you're wondering, well, am I sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Here's a simple yet 
incredible tool to indicate how sensitive you are to the Spirit. And it's a question. If you know me, you know I like questions. What is the time gap between your sin and your repentance? So when I say we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we need to be sensitive to our God, we need to, to have this holy fear and awe of how great God is and how holy he is, and here we are in relationship with him. How, what am I doing in my relationship with him? Yes, Jesus Christ, thank you, his righteousness has been given to us. When God sees us, he sees Jesus. But in our living day-to-day life as a follower of Jesus, how are we being sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Are we grieving him on the regular So the question is, what is the time gap between when you sin and when you repent of that sin? See, if you can recall sin that you've committed, and I I, I mean, it's it's the small things, it's the little things. You know, you know this. I don't have to give you, uh, you know, examples. You know. But if you can recall sin but you cannot recall when you have repented of that sin? Friends, that's a big time gap. We need to close that time gap. We talk a lot here about, you know, we say the phrase about being on our faith journey or journey of faith. You know, we talk about the sanctifying work of God in our lives. Part of the sanctification is for us to grow closer to him. And when we do that, the, the hope is that that time gap gets smaller and smaller and smaller between when we know we have sinned against God and when we confess it and repent of it, say no more. What is that time gap? What is the time gap between your sin and your repentance? Close it down. We need, we need to get it down to seconds. What if we get it down to like, I'm not even going to finish that thought. I'm not going to finish saying what I was about to say, right? Because when we do that, here's what's happening. We are being sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. Now, if you're insensitive to the Holy Spirit of God, it's not even going to pop into your mind. You're not even going to realize it. So this is a, a work. This is a practice that as Christians, we need to be investing in. So maybe even the first question is, God, am I even, not even what is the time gap, but oh God, I know there's some time gaps. (laughs) Forgive me. Fill me. Make me sensitive to your spirit. Help me to see when I sin so that I can repent of that. Why does this matter? Why does this matter? Um, I mean, we just read in, in Ephesians 4.30 when, when Paul says we've been sealed for the day of redemption, right? There's a continual infilling work of the Holy Spirit. There's an ongoing work. See, we can worship for hour upon hour. We can pray. We can, we can you know, get calluses on our knees from just being there before God. But if we cannot forgive others, that's sin and we're grieving the Holy Spirit. You know, Scripture talks about how when, if we speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but we don't have love, then we're just noise. We're just noise. If we're not loving others, there's, there's sin there. As a believer, see, the Holy Spirit of God is in you. You received the Holy Spirit when you said yes to God through Jesus Christ and his work. But when we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit that's in us doesn't mean the Holy Spirit leaves us. It's just we grieve him. 
See, remember this, the filling of the Spirit, it's not, a, it's not just a one-time deal, a one-time experience. It should be a continual engagement on our part with the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit once, but you can be filled as often as, as, you, as you need to be, as you seek to be. I'm just four and a half chapters into this, into this reading of Acts, and we've seen Peter and John filled repeatedly, and many other disciples and apostles. So the term be filled here, it's translated in the Greek as keep on being filled. Keep on being filled. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then we're going to be serving and responding and acting on his behalf and doing his work. And, and you know this, there's times we feel empty. Oh, we need to fill filled back up. An ongoing filling. Here, here's where I want to kind of land us this morning. Uh, before we have a time of worship, and you know, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you may have noticed we, we've been, the, the format of the Sunday, it might be a little different every week, and, and we've been intentional about that. Uh, we want to give a little more time for, for corporate worship um, after the message, for us to respond to what we've heard from God. And that might mean coming to the kneelers and praying, or, or praying where you are seated, or just standing up and, and, and lifting your hands in praise for who, who God is and what he has done for you and that grace he's given to you, All right? So as we move to that time in, a, in just a second, I, I want to offer you just three examples from, from the scriptures of how we, uh, the guidance that it gives us on being continually filled, all right? We've already looked at Ephesians 4, uh, verse 30, where it for, says, first of all, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. If you want to be continually filled with the Spirit, you, we, need to, we need to do a check. We need a checkup. Am I grieving the Holy Spirit of God? We need to be able to recognize that, be sensitive to that, respond to that. Um, so that's one thing. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The other thing is when we do sin, and it's not if, so when we do sin, we need to confess our sin to God. One of the first five verses I learned as a believer. One of the first five verses was 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That was a powerful verse to, to understand that that's possible. We need to confess our sin. We, we must be... Um, empty and clean in order to be filled, right? So we confess our sin. You know, the, I kind of consider this, I don't know, like a nexus or a turning point. For, for me, I know, maybe for our church, back in, I don't, was it February or March? But when, when I was about to come up on stage and God said, leave it, leave your notes, leave it. And I came up here and the only verse he gave, and we just had a time of prayer that day, it was beautiful, and the only verse that he gave me that day was 1 John 1, 9. Because that was like the starting point for us to confess our sins and to know that he is faithful and just. He forgives us and he cleanses us. So we don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And then 1 John 1, 9 tells us when we do sin, we need to confess it. There's that time gap thing, friends. I don't know how good we are at confession, and in the third way, we need to say, okay, I want to be continually filled with your spirit. I don't want to grieve you. Is we need to seek to live every moment by responding to the, the, the guidance and the speaking of the spirit. In Matthew 5, it's recorded where Jesus says that 
we are blessed if we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the promises that will be filled, will be filled. If we hunger after the things of God, we will be filled with the things of God. A.W. Tozer said this, and I think about Barnabas in this story in Acts uh, 4 and 5. Think about Barnabas, and then I think about Ananias and Sapphira. A.W. Tozer said, every person is just as spiritual as they want to be. Barnabas was. Ananias and Sapphira were. They were just as spiritual as they wanted to be. I think if any of us have a mindset of, I've prayed the prayer, I've done the things, therefore me and God are good, this should be a check to us. This should be a checkup for us in our relationship with God today. Where is it? How is it? What's the time gap? Are we grieving the Holy Spirit? Are we in holy awe and reverence and fear of his greatness? Do we understand that his immense grace that has been poured out upon us all the time, that we are not falling down dead, even though we deserve to be? So to be continually filled, don't grieve the Spirit, confess our sin, and seek after hunger and thirst for righteousness and trust the promise will be filled. Let's pray together as we move to a time of worship and response to the word of God today. God, would we recognize your holiness this morning? Uh, In this moment, we recognize your holiness, Lord. We recognize your divine, powerful holiness. God, the fact that we get to be in your presence in this moment, like right now, because of the work of Jesus, it's, it's really, it's almost too much. There, I don't have the words that he gave his life so that our sins would be forgiven, that he rose again, that we too would be redeemed. <laughs> that your Holy Spirit came to fill those who believe so we could be in relationship with you, know you, carry out your work in the world. What an amazing, amazing gift. So Lord, we recognize your holiness. Father, would we be aware of the ways that we are, we've grieved, we are grieving your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would confess that, we would repent of that. Lord, we close that gap. Let us be filled with your Holy Spirit. We want to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading and correcting. And most importantly, may we ask for this and seek this every single day. Lord, we need you. We need you. We come to you now with our prayers, with our confession with our repentance, with our praise, with our worship. In the name of Jesus, amen.